broken commitment. So, in a remedial definition of broken commitment, it would be a broken promise. Have I experienced broken commitment? That's a tough one for me. I would say yes, I have. I feel like everybody kind of experiences it in some sort of form in their life. I'd say the vast majority of any broken commitment that happens in life um, comes from a place of uh, dishonesty. Uh, when lies are being told, broken commitment doesn't happen overnight. It happens throughout the course of, of any, whether it be a relationship or any commitment really. Broken commitment is being let down by somebody that you hold to a higher standard. Depending on if you are the receiver or are you the breaker. Um, breaker, there's something wrong, something happened, something that you could not deal with anymore, decided that it was enough is enough. If you are on the receiving end and it's come out of the blue, devastation. The impacts of broken commitments could be a lot of things. It depends on the magnitude of that commitment and where you were into it, um, what your involvement was. So. Relationships, if you know you're married and you have kids and family and you really love this person and they don't have the same feelings and the same thoughts, that's gonna be harder on you than it will the other person. And so it really depends on where you are in your side of that commitment to how much it impacts you. Well, good morning, ACF. Can we celebrate being together? On this Daylight Savings Sunday, worst day of the year, all right? It's just like, it is the worst day of the year. I don't know any particular day that's worse than Daylight Savings Spring Forward Sunday, but it does mean spring is coming and light is on the way here in Alaska, so that's something to be excited about. Well, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at ACF, and if you're here today, I want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you're a guest of ours Man, you came to 8.30 on Daylight Savings, so that's big time, um, but we just appreciate you guys being here. If you're watching online right now, man, we love you guys. We're so glad you're here, and uh, man, there's even a team online right now that wants to pray with you and just have conversation with you, so please engage with them during the service. But we are in the middle of a series called Sin. Really exciting topic to talk about uh, at church, and uh, really, it's, it's something that we, people don't want to talk about this idea of sin. We, we'll talk about mistakes we've made. We'll talk about, you know, messing up in life. But this idea of, like, talking about sin can be really difficult and uncomfortable for people to talk about. And you might ask, well, why are we doing, like, a whole series on sin? Like, what's the purpose of this? And the idea was that we, leading into Easter, can really get a grasp of the gravity and the magnitude of our sin. I, I think we've become a culture where we kind of want to downplay sin. Uh, we don't like that feeling like, oh, I have sin. I have messed up in my life. But the more we understand what sin is, the more questions we can ask, like, why does God care so much about sin? Why is it such a big deal? Why do I have to really, you know, think through this and, and all of these things? The more we can do that, the more we can understand the magnitude of God's grace, right? The, the, the bigger we understand our sin actually is, the bigger salvation is, and the bigger salvation becomes and God's grace and his love and his forgiveness in our lives. And Jesus even has this 
thing he says in the New Testament. He says, look, he who's been forgiven much loves much, but he who's been forgiven little loves little. And so as we, as we come into Easter, we want to be people who love much. And the way we can do that is to understand our brokenness and our sin for really what it is, more than just a mistake, more than just a bad decision, but that it separates us from the love of God. And so that's why we're in this series. And, and today, I, I want to let you know, if you have kids in the room this morning, um, today is a PG message. Um, and it is, it is 1980s PG, okay? It's not, it's not 2023, you know, PG, you know, like Shrek PG. This is... This is, this is 1980s PG, and so we're going to get into it. We're going to have some honest conversation. And so if you have kids in the room, I would encourage you to uh, go check them into ACF Kids. We're going to have some deep, honest, real conversation in this room about sin. And it, it, we're going to be in the book of Hosea this morning. Some of you know what that means. Some of you don't know what that means, and that's okay. But we are going to be getting after it today. So you've been warned. Uh, feel free just to get up. If you want to go, you can go check your kids into ACF if you want them with you. That's fine also. So we are going to be in Hosea this morning, and you can turn to Hosea chapter 1 if you have your Bibles. Um, and I want to say this too. If, if you're a guest today, if you're new, and even if you're not, if you're just in this room, I, I want to say that today's message, especially at the beginning, may feel very heavy. It may feel even like potentially a personal attack. And I will tell you, it is not. Like, I have nobody's names or thoughts or anything like that. The, the only person I'm talking directly to this morning is myself. And I, I want you to hear that. It is a heavy conversation and a heavy topic uh, because it's a really big deal. And uh, so I, I want you to hear that. You, you, this morning... Uh, you may feel some stuff in your heart and in your soul. And, and last week, if you were here, we had Jeff Bramstead, and he talked about this idea of truth and counterfeit. And, uh, and that might apply this morning. And, and it looks like this, that, that this morning you may feel something and you might be going, man, I, I feel like terrible for some of these things that I've done. I feel awful for some of the decisions I, I, I've made, and I feel broken over these things, and, and, and I, I want to make these things right, and I want God to forgive me, and man, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live this way anymore. If you feel that, you can know that that's something called conviction, and that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Like, if you feel that this morning, you can know the Holy Spirit is talking to you, and you are hearing the God of the universe speak to you. But if you're in here this morning and I'm talking, you're like, man, what Josh is saying or what we're reading about is like, I feel like I'm a horrible person. I'm terrible. I'm unlovable. God can't forgive me. I've walked in this actually. I've done these things and that makes me like worthless. If you feel that this morning, that's the counterfeit of conviction and it's called condemnation. And you can know that's the enemy speaking to you and those are lies and you have to learn to reject those lies. And so I just as we walk into this topic this morning, um, I, I want you just to be aware and, and to know what thoughts are coming into your head. Are those God's thoughts or, or, or are those the enemies? And so we want to reject the enemies but receive God's. So again, we're in the book of Hosea, and if you don't know, Hosea is a prophet, okay? And, and a prophet was somebody who, who 
heard directly from God, and they had a message from God for, for the nation of Israel, or at least for the king. So, so the prophet spoke to the nation, or he spoke to the king. And it was like this direct line they had uh, from God to speak. And at the time when Hosea is speaking, uh, Israel is actually doing like really well. Financially, they're military strong, like they are in a really good place as a nation. And oftentimes when God would speak through prophets, uh, he would use like imagery, he would use analogy, and he would use allegory. And for Hosea, this prophet, God does this really unique thing, and he asks him to, to become like a living allegory, to not just tell Israel, hey, this is like what's going on, but to show them by actually living it out. And so this is where we're going to start in Hosea chapter 1, starting in verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Okay, we're seven seconds saying I've said whoredom three times. So we're getting after it today. So really quick, what's been going on is, again, everything's been going really well, and Israel is now turning to other gods and worshiping them. And God is saying, what Israel's doing is like prostitution to me. And so we're going to continue now the story here. It gets weirder, promise you. So, when he, so he went and took Gomer. Okay, it just, Sorry. This is a personal day. If, if you're a dad or a mom and you have a daughter, don't name her Gomer. Like, how much do you not love your daughter? I don't know. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said, call his name Jezreel. For in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. I wish I could spend like 15 minutes just on this piece right here because there is some deep stuff, um, some things for us to learn in this right here. But what God is doing is he's having Hosea name his children these things that are going to speak very loudly to the nation of Israel. And this is the first one. And God's basically saying, I'm going to have vengeance on the king. And this, every time he sees or hears about your son, he'll know it's coming. Uh, then she conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name no mercy, for I, will, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horse or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. So this is really crazy, like, thing we just read. And can you imagine Hosea, like, he, first of all, he marries this woman of whoredom. We don't know if she was currently a prostitute at the time, but we, there's debate on that, but we do know she was someone who was sleeping around, someone of, like, an adulterous heart, as some of the translations say. And uh, God says, go, I want you to go marry th this type of woman. And so Hosea, a, a holy man, goes, a prophet of God, and he goes and he marries this kind of woman, and, and I'm sure the people were like, oh, Hosea, like, do you know what's going on? Do you know who you're, I thought you like were a prophet. 
do you know who you're marrying? And then they start having kids, right? And, and, and you know that thing where it's like, hey, what, you, you, you found out you're having a baby? Okay, baby boy. Or, what, did you have any names yet? And everyone's like, oh, we're, we're, we're keeping that a secret, right? We're, we're, we're not going to tell you what the baby's name is. I've never understood that. Just, I'm sorry. I've never understood that. I'm like, why? Like, you're not going to name your kid something that nobody else is going to name their kid unless it's Gomer for a daughter. Like, <laughs> maybe, the, maybe you'll be unique there. But like, it's like, oh, no, no, we're, we're saving. We're, we're going to, it's going to be a surprise. And then she has the baby. It's like, what's the baby's name? Jezreel. Oh, okay. That's, that's kind of a cool name. What, what does that mean? It means God will have his vengeance. Wow, a bit intense. Right? Then he has a daughter. Well, what's her name? No Mercy. Sorry, I thought you said No Mercy. You mean Mercy. Oh, that's a, such a pretty name. I love that name for a girl. No, no, No Mercy. Because God will no more have mercy on you. Right? And then Not My People. Name your son Not My People. Because why? Because you are no longer God's people. And what, what Hosea is being asked to do is to become this living allegory that every time the people see his children, they know that they're in trouble. They know that God is going to take vengeance. He's going to have no mercy because they are no longer his people. And that is what God is trying to say to Israel. And why is it? It's because they now have been prostituting themselves to other gods. God is the one who set them up. God is the one who's blessed them. And in chapter 2, it goes on and it starts talking and God speaks through Hosea to this situation and he, he starts calling Israel like the whore. And he starts saying, I wish you would stop going and prostituting yourself. And, and, and he says, like, you, you, you lust for things. He's like, you lust for, like, bread and wine. You lust for, for jewelry. You lust for riches. And then he even says, like, Israel, I have blessed you. I have given you what you want. Not just what you need, but what you want. And then it says that you go and you prostitute yourself to other gods. And you're going... Baal, you're the one that has given me all this stuff. It's like, it's like Gomer leaves this covenant that she's in with Hosea and goes and prostitutes herself, and then she turns around and she sees the blessing of the covenant she has, and she says, well, well thank you, person I just prostituted myself for, for all the blessings that I have. And this is the image, and this is the picture that God is trying to help the people of Israel see and understand is that they have turned their backs to God. They've turned their hearts to sin and, and, and like willfully and joyfully walking into this sin. And he's like, it's, 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 it's prostitution is what you're doing. You are going and you are lusting after these different things. She's going and she's looking for pleasures. She's looking for anything and anyone that will satisfy her lustful desires. And even then, it's like lustful desires. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Like, is this all sexual stuff? No, it's, we can lust for all sorts of stuff. We can lust for power. We can lust for wealth, right? We can lust for fame. We can lust for pleasures, right? We can lust for comfort. Really, lust is just any unhealthy pursuit of. Lust is any unhealthy pursuit of something we think is going to satisfy us outside of God. And so this is what Israel has been doing, and this is what God is saying, look, you've you, you got to stop this. Can you see this of what's happening right now? She, 
Gomer thinks by prostituting herself like she'll be satisfied. Israel thinks by prostituting itself to, to Baal specifically, this particular God, that it will be satisfied and it will bring it pleasure and, and not the God that they serve and the God that they know. And, and what ends up happening is, so, so Hosea marries Gomer and they have kids together and, and they enter a covenant of marriage together and, you know, she's having kids, things seem to be going okay, and then all of a sudden Hosea wakes up one day and Gomer's gone. She's left again, she's left the covenant, and this time she is out prostituting herself. She's out selling herself, trying to find something, trying to fill something in her life that she thinks that Hosea can't provide for her. And she's out, and all of a sudden, what ends up happening as she's selling herself, she becomes owned by somebody else. She becomes a slave. See, she becomes a slave to the very desires that she thought would set her free. She thinks this, this prostitution, she thinks she's being able to go out and she'll, I don't make some money or receive some things, and it's going to like set her free to be the person she wants to be, and it ends up owning her. And she becomes an actual slave to it. See, this story is what it's really about. It's about a covenant made and a covenant broken. Right? God makes a covenant with Israel. Hosea makes a covenant with Gomer, and they make this covenant that, and God's covenant was, I will be your God. He makes it to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will be your God, and your descendants will be my people. They will be my children. And over and over again, we see in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, I mean through the whole Bible, we see this imagery of the covenant that God makes with his people is, is the covenant of marriage. That these things are, it's the same type of covenant. Like God institutes marriage to show the world what his covenant will look like for his people. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. We see it over and over again. Paul talks about it. Right? We, we, we read about Jesus talking about the wedding feast, like all of these things over and over again. And Paul's like, look, marriage and sex and all of these things and the covenant of marriage, it's a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Right? Like we are the bride of Christ and Christ has made a covenant with us. And we see it in the book of Revelation when we have the wedding feast. Right? And yet what ends up happening is this story is about a covenant made and a covenant broken. And it's also about an adulterous heart about the heart of Israel, the heart of Gomer, going after things outside of the covenant, thinking it's going to satisfy their lustful desires. You see, in the covenant that God makes with Israel, the covenant that he makes with with the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that covenant eventually gets offered to the entire world. To the entire world. We get the opportunity to be brought into this covenant relationship, this marriage, if you will, with the God of the universe. But, but the reality is, and the truth is, is we have to receive that covenant. The, the promises, these promises are, are things like an inheritance of the kingdom of God. The, the, the promises of this covenant are, are, are everlasting eternal life. The promises of this covenant are, are, are a land for, for God's people, and this land will encompass the whole earth. And this is not like metaphorically, this is reality, right? The, the promises are that God will come and live with his people 
here on earth and we will be with him and he will be with us. Like the, the promise is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more brokenness, that death and sin are defeated forevermore for his people. And those are the promises for the people within the covenant. And so the, the truth is too, like we have, to, we have to say yes to this covenant. Just like when I was young and in love and met this girl named Malia and one day asked her to marry me. And let me just—it was—it was a great proposal story. I—it was—it's really good. I was going to share it, but I don't have time. But I was dope. Um, <laughs> set it up real nice. She thought I was in California. I was at her front door on the cell phone. Knocked on the door, asked her to marry me over the phone and in person at the same time. And it was nice. Thank you. <laughs> but she had to say yes to that, right? To enter into the covenant. And we have the same situation, the same opportunity to say yes to this covenant of Jesus. Maybe you're just in this room and you've never said yes to this marriage proposal before. But when I asked my wife to marry me, like, she was bringing some stuff to the table. She is intelligent. She's ambitious. She's kind. She's generous. She's a fantastic mother. And I knew she would be all these things. But when Hosea invites Gomer into this covenant, she brings nothing to the table. The only thing she brings to the table is an adulterous heart. That's what she brought to the covenant. That's, that's what she brought to the table, an adulterous heart. When God made the covenant with Abraham, he had to make him go to sleep. He wasn't even awake when God made the covenant with him because he knew there was no opportunity and no chance for Abraham to ever actually hold up his end of the deal, the covenant. So God makes a covenant with himself that he will remain faithful. And when we come to God, we bring nothing to the table. We bring nothing to the table but an adulterous heart. That's what we bring. And I just know there's so many people out there, and maybe you're one of them. And I've had friends in the past that are like, I, 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 I love this idea of Jesus. I, I, I maybe even believe that he is real and he died for us, but I can't say yes to him until I, I figure my stuff out. I can't say yes to him until I get my act together. Or, or maybe you just think, like, I don't need Jesus because I've got my act together. But the reality is all of us, what we have and what I have is an adulterous heart. I love the hymn. It, is, it hits me every time, the line. Take my heart, Lord. It's prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. That is, that is what we are. We're prone to wander. We're prone to seek after our, our lustful desires to satisfy our wandering hearts. And, and what we end up doing is we end up in the act of adultery. Every one of us. In the act of adultery, going after the lusts of our hearts instead of receiving the love of our God. And what do you mean by adultery? What does that definition mean? When I talk about adultery, what I'm saying is adultery is when we go outside of the covenant God has brought us into and try to satisfy our lustful hearts. When we go outside of the covenant that God has brought us into, to try and satisfy our lustful hearts. Again, what is lust? It's just an unhealthy pursuit of something to satisfy us outside of God's covenant. 
See, the story of Gomer is the story of Israel, and the story of Israel is our story. And the reality is we have all played the whore with an adulterous heart. Man, you might be going, That's, that was a little intense, Josh. You calling me a whore this morning? No, I am not. The Bible is. Just reading it. That might be a little intense, and it is intense. It really is. It's, this is why Scripture uses this imagery. Like, what, why, why, why this? Like, this is intense. The reason is, is because sin is intense. Like, it's more than just making a mistake. It's more than just telling a little white lie. It's more than just these things that we downplay our sin to. Sin is a big deal, and it is death. In fact, sin, what it does is sin will make a promise it cannot keep, to fill a desire it cannot fill, to pull you away from a love that cannot be matched. That is the purpose of sin. That is what sin does. That's what the enemy is trying to do through his lies. That is from the beginning. Satan in the garden was trying to pull away humanity, to make them a promise that it would not keep, right? To fill a desire that it could not fill, to pull the humanity away from a love of God that could not be matched. This is what the enemy's been doing from the beginning. This is what sin is, is try to pull us away and out of the covenant. And when we go after these things with a lustful heart, we become again the adulterer. We become again the adulterer. See, adultery does not start as an act of rebellion. It starts with unchecked desires. Like, it it starts with these unchecked desires. Just don't wake up, I'm going to be an adulterer today, you know? No, no, it starts with unchecked desires in our hearts, allowing things to come into our minds and our hearts and just kind of live there. Uh, James says it like this, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is what sin does. This is why it is a big deal, because it always leads to death. And it's interesting. It says, look, desires, desires, right, they get impregnated. And Pastor Brian talked about this just a few weeks ago. Our lustful desires, our adulterous desires, they get impregnated, and what they give birth to is sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, is death. Death and destruction. That is what the enemy wants from you. That is why he's trying to lure you away from the love of God through his lies so he can destroy you. And and it is within the covenant that God wants to keep us and keep us protected We're to take every thought captive, and that can feel exhausting, right? But it's this idea like, man, is these, are these things coming into my heart? Are these things coming into my soul? Are these things coming into my mind? These desires, are they worth keeping around? Are they desires of God? Are they desires of a covenant? Are they desires to know Him more, to love Him more, to love His people more, to love those who don't know Him more? Like, those desires, let those grow and flourish in your heart, but if they're desires of this idea of this adulterous heart to take me away from the things I know 
that God wants for me and, and has for me, like, we need to get rid of those and put those to death. And sometimes our desires are just kind of too weak. Sometimes we just desire, like, things that are, you know, just not good for us. It's, it's like, desiring, you know, like all I want right now is this junk food, right? All I want right now, I am starving to death. And oh, man, all I want is this, you know, little cheeseburger from McDonald's. That, that will satisfy me. You know, when, when, when there's absolute gourmet meal ready for you to go. In fact, C.S. Lewis says it like this. I love this quote. It says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. It is like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. See, the the story of Hosea and Gomer, it it doesn't end with her as a slave. Um, it, it, it does not end with her being owned by her desires. It does not end right there. Um, so this is what happens. So Gomer leaves Jose, and she goes and prostitutes herself out, and she ends up being owned by another man. And Hosea 3.1 says this, And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who was loved by another man and is an adulteress. Go get her. Go get her, Hosea. Gomer left, go get her again. We don't know how many times she left, but go get her again. This time she leaves and she ends up being owned by another man. This is the heart of God. Our God is a jealous God, right? Jealousy is a good thing. can be. It can be a bad thing. But when we have the the heart of a husband, right, the heart of a God, the, the heart that says, no, I'm going back after my wife. Like, she will not be owned by another man. She will not be prostituted out anymore because I love her and I'm going to go get her. That is the heart of a a jealous husband. That's a beautiful thing. And that is the heart of a jealous God who goes after his people. He goes and he buys his wife back. Think about that. It's his wife. And yet he has to go and buy her back. He pays for his wife. And where did he go to find his wife? Think about that. Where did Hosea have to go to find his wife? He, he wasn't going to the temple to find her. Right? He, he wasn't going to churches. Look, hey, have you seen my wife Gomer? Anybody seen her? No, no, Hosea. I, I haven't seen her. I, I heard some stories, though. I, I think I might know where she is. Where does he have to go? He goes into the dirtiest, darkest of places, into the red light districts. This holy man has to go into the most unholy of places to find his wife. And when he gets there, what does he find? He finds her for sale. A prostitute. And he finds her for sale, and what does he do? He walks up and he says, well, how much is she? And he goes and he buys her back. Guys, this is, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. God sees his people prostituting themselves out. 
And he comes here in the form of Jesus. This holy man comes and looks in the most unholy of places for his people. And when he finds them, they are owned by somebody else. Humanity owned by the sin, by the enemy. How much do they cost? You know what the wages of sin are. You know what the payment of sin is. It's death. Jesus says, I'll pay it. And he buys his people back. See, it's a living allegory. This is literally prophecy of what was to come. This is God coming for his people. And think about it. Like, if you were in that situation, like, I imagine as I was just kind of reading through this over and over again, this book, and like, what was that conversation like on the way home? Right? Sometimes my mind goes to places probably like where it wasn't, like, I can't believe you did this again. Sometimes this is what we think God thinks of us. I can't believe you did this again, Gomer. I can't believe you did this. You know what it cost me to buy you back? How did you end up owned by another man this time? What are the horrible things you did when you were away from me? I, I imagine that's the conversation that was had because sometimes I think that's the conversations God having with me. But it's not. It's a lie. Do you know, you know what Hosea did when he gets home with Gomer? you know what he does? He renews his covenant with her. He gets home and he renews his covenant. And this is what God speaks through Hosea. He says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. This is what God is saying maybe to some of you this morning that have entered that covenant, have, have prostituted yourself and you've just been thinking God's like you pathetic person. No, no, that is the lie. That is condemnation. God's saying, I am betrothing you to me again. And remember those children? Remember those children of Hosea? This is what God says. He says, I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he, should, he shall say, you are my God. Some of you this morning need to hear that God has mercy on you when you thought there was no more mercy. And you are his people. Even though you've followed your lustful ways, even though you've walked into your adulterous ways, he has taken you back, and today he wants you to know that you are his people. And if I can't paint the picture any more clear, what we need to understand is that we are all Gomer, and Jesus is our Hosea. Jesus is our Hosea. In fact, the name Hosea means salvation. Jesus is our salvation today. And he wants to be for you. And I love this. At the very end of the book, at the very end of the book, this is what God said he's going to do. He says, one day he will heal our waywardness and love us freely. One day our wayward hearts will be completely healed and we will wander no more. And we will love freely for we will know that we are fully his and he is fully ours. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at. 
I don't know if you've ever entered into that covenant before. Maybe you thought it was something that it wasn't. Maybe you thought it was just a bunch of rules. It was God trying to take something from you. Maybe you've had bad examples of people who call themselves Christians in your life, but you need to know today it is none of that. It is a God who loves you. It is a husband who is jealous for his wayward wife, who loves his wife and is willing to go into the most unholy of places to buy her back, bring her home, and renew the covenant again. And if that's you today, I just want to invite you into that place. And maybe you're here this morning and you've entered that covenant. And you're like, Josh, I've, I've done it again. I've, I've lusted after things. I've walked into this act of whoredom, of prostitution, going after things outside of the covenant of God that I thought would satisfy me. And you need to know that God is here today to bring you back into that covenant, to renew it with you, that you have received mercy and that you are his people. So we have some action steps. They're on your seats right now. And uh, man, maybe again, you need to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you to grab the card, fill it out. And if, you, if you're going to say yes to Jesus today, I want to invite you to just to check that box. You don't have to put your name on it. If you do give us your information, you'll get a text from us just saying, hey, we are praying for you. We love you. Is there anything we can specifically be praying for? Um, but even if you don't want to do that, just check that box. You can tear it off and, and drop it in the baskets as you leave today. We'd love to know. The other things we want to do is, that, man, if we want you in community. We want everyone in community. So, man, maybe you need to join a small team or a small group or a serve team or a small group to be in community here at ACF. We want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit here at ACF. So we're inviting everyone just to pray the dangerous prayer. Holy Spirit, if there's more, I want it. And maybe today you just need to reflect and name your unchecked desires. Maybe there's just desires that you're allowing to live over and over again in your mind and your heart. And you just need to name them, call them out, and expel them from your soul. Say, I'm not going to desire. I'm going I'm to put an end to these things and desire the things of God. Maybe that's what you need to do today. But if you would, go ahead and just join me in prayer now as we continue to move on in our service. Jesus we are so unworthy. God, we bring nothing to this relationship except an adulterous heart. And yet, God, you continue to pursue us. You continue to go after us. God, you, you make the covenant and you renew the covenant with us. We break it, God, but you stay steadfast in it. You will never break the covenant. God, thank you for coming Thank you for going after us. Thank you for paying the price for us so that we can be yours forever. Jesus, there are people in here who are believing lies about who they are and whose they are. God, I pray that you would break those lies, that in the darkness of those lies, God, that your light would shine through. And where your light is, darkness cannot exist. So let the light of your truth Show up in our minds. Show up in our hearts. God, let us see and understand the counterfeit from the reality. God, the truth from the lie. Thank you for your forgiveness, Jesus. You are a good God. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.